0: Faithfulness, O God You wrestle with the sinner's heart You lead us by still waters and to mercy And nothing can keep us apart So remember your people. Song of your salvation, and all your people sing along. So remember, so.
1: How's it going, guys? Hey, it's pretty good up here, too. I'm, I'm just really glad to be here with you guys, and we're glad you're here. We welcome you. I'm going to read a quick uh, bit out of Ephesians 1 here. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, And gave him as head over all things to the church Which is his body In the fullness of him Who fills all in all We are the body of Christ We are uh, his workmanship And That means we we weren't supposed to just like uh, You know Get by, be miserable You know, complain, bellyache Focus on the things of this world Earthly things We are made to (laughs) Come on, Rye (laughs) Spoiler alert Why don't I just tell them what happens in Avengers too, Rye Why don't I just do that Um, Hey, we were made to thrive Why don't we sing that song Father we thank you for who you are for all you've done we are here to worship you this morning let your name be glorified and lifted up in Jesus name reading from the oft-quoted book of Zephaniah in that day it will be said to Jerusalem do not be afraid O Zion do not let your hands fall limp the Lord your God is in your midst a victorious warrior He will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Amen.
0: Love that's never failing Let mercy fall on me Everyone needs forgiveness The kindness of a Savior The hope of nations Savior, He can move the mountains Find All my fears and failures fill my life again. Give my life to follow everything I believe in.
2: Now I.
0: the glory of the risen King, Savior, He can move the mountains, my God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save. Your light. Shine your light in, let the whole world see. Sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light in, let the whole world see. Sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Shine your light in, let the whole world see. Sing. We're singing. For the glory of the risen King Jesus, shining light, and let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King.
1: Amen. He is mighty to save. praise you this morning, worthy of all, Lord of all, King of all, a God so big, a God so mighty and powerful, you made the whole universe, and yet little specks like us matter to you, little vapors like us matter to you. hit the things that matter to us are so insignificant sometimes Lord we need help <laughs> help us to focus on what matters things eternal things of you help us lord speak to our hearts lord move in our hearts this morning amen you may be seated Kingdom kids, if you heard that part in the first verse where I messed up what I was playing, that was when I remembered, I forgot to dismiss you earlier. So head right on
3: out. Well-oiled machine strikes again. Off they go. Thank you everybody for serving ministering to our future generations. Hello there. (laughs) Why did he touch me? (laughs) Good morning, brothers and sisters. And those of you who are visiting, we're glad you're here this morning. If you would uh, indulge me for a moment, I would like to read the text that we're going to be teaching from today. If you've got uh, physical limitations or children in your arms or anything like that, if you're hungover, you can stay seated. (laughs) Hey, you never know. It is Sunday morning. The book of Hebrews, and if you don't have your own Bible, uh, in the pew, I mentioned this last time, I think that was news to people, wasn't it? These are for you to take home if you don't have one. Okay, so... Two went home last week. Sales are up, brothers and sisters. This is good. And that's what we want. We want the Word of God in people's homes. Amen? Amen. But not just on the table, you know, like those big decorative, you know, fancy Bibles. They sit on the... Anybody have coffee tables anymore? Okay, you know what? I'm going to rein in my ADD right now page 1197 in the black book Hebrews chapter 2 and if you're able if you would stand with me as I read the scripture it is the word of the Lord in the Old Testament and this is the book of Hebrews in the Old Testament the saints when the book of the law was opened everybody stood up spontaneously recognizing they were about to hear from the living God our text today is Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. So if you follow with me there, from 10 down to 16. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham, human beings like us. He helps. Amen? Amen? The word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Would you join me as I pray, asking for help this morning as we look into the word of God, which is given to us to help us, descendants of Abraham, which we are by faith, whether you're Jewish or not. Do you know that, biblically? Everybody got that? Okay, I want to make sure you're agreeing with me in prayer, or it'll be ineffective. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, We lay hold of your promises by faith. So, in a sense, it is true that if we don't agree with what you say, it will be ineffective. Minister to your people today. Minister to those who are looking in and wondering about this wonderful Savior, Jesus, who changed history and transforms lives, has for 2,000 years, continues to, will continue to, until the day he comes back. And that transformation will be off the charts. Lord Jesus, we believe that what your word says is true. So today, would you please take that word, which the very book we're studying tells us is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to divide asunder soul and spirit. We don't even know how to divide that, but you do. You know how to sort us out. You know how we're wired and how we're put together. We need the help of your Holy Spirit today. I especially pray for your precious little ones. The ones that he is not ashamed to call brethren. The one about, we sang this morning, good, good father. Who talks about us, who we are and who he is. And that he has set his affection on us in spite of how we are. And you are mighty to save. We've sung all of that this morning, Lord. And that we are the broken and you're the healer. We're a vapor. You're eternal. Thank you, Jesus, that you've got this. Because we sure don't. Illumine our minds today. Help us, we pray. And we ask all these things in the name of the great Savior we worship, our elder brother, Jesus, in his name. Amen. Well, my title today is Great Expectations. And I didn't even... How did I not get the little ass? Oh, it is there, the asterisk. I stole that. Did anybody not know that I stole that title? You got it. it. All right, Don got it. We're safe here this morning, okay. I'm setting up a pattern. I'm a thief, okay. Great expectations, but this expectation is not about a character named Pip. I wanted to just mention as we um, look at this text, Chapter 2 starts with a section I glossed over. May I digress for just a moment? Let me read it to you. You don't have to take time. If you'll leave your Bible open, you'll be able to reference the text I'm looking at uh, as I unpack it because I'll be adding other texts as I do on a Sunday morning. And if you're a note-taker, I've already given you all of them so you can follow along easily. But we're really working out of chapter 2, verses 10 and on. But right at the beginning... If you have the black book open, it says, give heed. For this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. Boy, if there were ever verses that are relevant to the church in America, I think these are them. <laughs> that we don't drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels, remember the law of Moses was mitigated by angels. You'll remember that little conversation about the angelic world. If that proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Some of you recognize that. After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them. In other words, God backed up what they were saying, the preachers of the gospel. He backed it up with signs, wonders, various miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. There was lots of witness, not only the resurrection, but the early church, all the power manifested. And just to fill you in, in case you are of the ilk that believe all that ended in the first century, that's not true. Every time there's been a major movement of God, not every time, but often in major moves of God in revival and expansion of the kingdom, God does that witness again, manifest with miracles, different um, gifts of the Holy Spirit manifesting, moving the church forward and confirming his word. It does, in fact, occur. Now, the reason I wanted to mention that is I'm skipping over that text, but now you heard it. But the reason I am is because as we work our way through the scripture, through the book of Hebrews, there are several of these kind of exhortations that will kind of wrap together for later, okay? So that's why I'm glossing over that, if you will. Now, years ago, um, several things. I'm I'm about to put a video, not a video, a visual on the screen, but before I do, I want to make a disclaimer. Years ago, people asked me, Pastor John, would you give us a list of your favorite movies? So I put together a list of my favorite movies, but as time went on, because it's a church crowd, you never know how people are going to react. Thank you for acknowledging that, brother. I see the I, Yes, I see that shaking head. So I had to come up with another list that said, Pastor John's recommended movies that he can't recommend. Okay, so this is one of them I don't know if you've seen that It's rough I can't recommend it But I gotta tell you It's one of those really great films Because this guy, Walt Kowalski Is a classic curmudgeon He really is Not a good visual aid Or representation of our good, good father in heaven But he kind of moves in that direction Before the movie's over He takes on a uh, a, a um, yeah, I just blanked out, Tao, what, what was his, um, Hmong, Hmong, right, a Hmong people group moved into his neighborhood, he takes on Tao as kind of a son, and he mentors him into manhood, so it's a really, really a remarkable story that way and it revolves around the possible theft because of gang members of his Grand Torino, which he actually worked in the plant that put the transmission in that car. So now I spoiled the movie so you don't have to go see it anyway, sort of. But one of the things about the movie that got my attention because having for myself buried almost everybody in our families except my mom, Uh, I have been through the process of estate settling numerous times, and it's always interesting to wonder who's going to get what. If you want to see the worst in humanity come out of the woodwork, or if I may, the best, that's the time to see it. And in the film, Walt Kowalski has lost his, his wife, and they're having the funeral, Bunch of grandchildren, very disrespectful, totally worldly, could care less, kind of. And he's just fuming watching this. And in the midst of this, he finds his granddaughter in the garage smoking a cigarette. Oh, she, yeah. And he kind of ignores that. And she didn't know he had such... She looks under the cover and looks at this cool Gran Torino and starts lusting after it. Can you imagine lusting after a car? Yes, lots of people. (laughs) Pastor Derek just confessed his besetting sin. (laughs) But you can be free of that, brother. But anyway. By the way, if you're visiting, you're saying, these people laugh in church. Yeah, we do. I don't think God is a stiff. Sorry if you got that impression. I think the Christian life is a blast. I really do. Anyway. She asks, what are you going to, you know, what what incredible sensitivity. So like when you kick, granddad, who's getting the car? You come to the end of the movie and Walt Kowalski becomes a hero, a messiah figure in the story. I'm not going to spoil that part for you. The end of the story, Walt passes away and he leaves his stuff. His house goes to the church. Because his wife would have liked that. And his grand Torino. And you see the granddaughter. Ooh,
2: here it comes.
3: It goes to Tao, the little kid that I took on as a mentore. Blows you away. See, she had expectations that were totally stupid. Tao had no expectation, but he inherited the best thing that Walt had. And Walt made sure his expectations were completely fulfilled. What an awesome story. We're looking at a text today that has a global context. I want to look at the global picture, and it has to do with inheritance, if I can dare say it. What, what Walt expected, what God expects from his extension of inheritance and what we have received and what we should expect and what we should strive to do with what god has given to us i want to look at this global picture and then the last two points will kind of look at future learnings as we work through the book of hebrews these subjects will come up again and again so the first one's global the second two are more down in your shoe leather what you need to apply if you're part of his wonderful inheritance Here's a great text. We, we read a little of it this morning in worship. I pray that, they, by the way, worship, some really great songs this morning, right? Yes. And, and that reference that says God dances over us or he, he rejoices over us, you know, we love that part, don't we? Oh, I'm so. <laughs> but it's true. Do we ever dance over him? Do we ever get wound up? I, I, I couldn't help thinking this morning as we were reading those texts. This is an aside, honey. I will pull my ADD back in a second. I'm on a sidetrack right now. Worshiping with those brothers and sisters I told you about who were pressing in to healing their sexuality because they'd been trapped in homosexuality and lesbianism and all of that. And they were pressing in the worship and watching some of them worship. They worship with their whole body. I mean... The guy that leads that ministry, when he's singing that song, he's like this. It's like, whoa, it's aerobic worship. I mean, at the end, you know, like. <laughs> now, you don't have to do that, but I'm, I'm asking you, is there something boring about God with us sometimes? You know, so everyone has different expressions. Don't don't take what I just said as I'm judging you unless you're doing this. I'm not. But I am saying there's fun in worship. There really is, in entering into the presence of God. It's hard not to respond. It's hard not to. Re- Whenever I sing that song, Holy, Holy, Lord God Almighty, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. In my brain, I see the Lamb in Revelation seated on the throne, and all the elders fall on their faces. How can I not respond to that? The one who died for me, ruling the universe. I'm back on track now. Point one, his inheritance, sons. God says, I was in the process of bringing many sons to glory. Here's what the scripture says. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Ephesians chapter one, so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, catch that, what is the hope of actions here friends (laughs) the hope of his this is like karate class, over here the hope of his calling his calling, the hope, his hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe, is that a mouthful Sorry, did I offend anybody? My apologies. I have ADD, so I know how it is. I do. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you may know what is the hope. What is God's expectation? What is the hope? What is the hope? The hope of his calling, and what are the riches of the glory? Here's some words for us today. Uh, inheritance and Power. Simple. Let me just throw power out. Real quick, dunamis, right? It's the famous Greek word, I'm pretty sure. Right? Yeah, from which you get dynamite, yeah, in English. But this word, inheritance, simply means what Walt passed on. The things that God has as his own inheritance, what he has. Other texts that talk about us being the inheritance of God use words like this, unique, his treasured possession. Anybody got a treasured possession? Do you know what I mean? That thing that you coddle. You know, I don't no, you don't let the grand, you know it's special when you don't let the grandkids touch it, right? <laughs> That's special. Don't touch that. That unique here's another word, precious if you will, treasured object, something that I save for my it's mine, it's my prized possession right the language in the scripture talks about guess who us as that isn't that something us now y'all with me isn't that shocking Jesus is the heir of all things and we are in him Now, when it told us in this text that he was sanctifying, the father was sanctifying many sons, bringing sons to glory, this is inheritance language. That's what this is. Anybody ever seen those those great films? Now, this one I can recommend, Sense and Sensibility. You remember at the very beginning, the father of the family is passing away, and he's concerned for his stepdaughters, I believe, Yeah. And he, the problem with the, the culture in, in England at that time, and it's the same thing in the Roman days, is that all inheritance falls on the firstborn, on the son. That's why son is used. It's not meaning that we're left out if we're female. That's not the point. The point is, in those days, it went to the son. And so the writer of Hebrews is making sure that these Jewish listeners get it that it passes on to a person and everybody else feeds off the wealth and inheritance of that person. So if I'm in the family, it's because my elder brother is taking care of me. Are you following? I get part of the estate because my elder brother says, you get that mansion and you get that castle and you get to go over there. That's how it works. He's saying it's the same principle. Who's the elder brother? You got it. And if we're in with him, he's watching out for his brethren. We don't always believe that, do we? See, it's different than the way we do it now. When I settled my aunt's estate, there were four four siblings that weren't even equal in terms of how close they were to the family, but I had to do righteousness and make sure everybody got their fair share. In the old system... Either the elder brother is good or bad Either he's just or he's unjust Which do you think Jesus is? Yeah, he's just Does he have our best interest at heart? You bet Let me read something to you from uh, By the way, one of the best um, Bible commentaries on the book of Hebrews Was written by a Lutheran Named um, Lenski And He even helped me know who wrote it and who it was written to, even though Francis Chan says we don't know. I do now. I know, and I'm right. I'm teasing. My point is I have some reason to have an opinion. I do have an opinion. Lenski did an outstanding job of unpacking this book. Here's what he says. Here belong all those great passages where it tells us that to Jesus was given a dominion, a glory, and a kingdom. Given to him, delivered unto him, referred to the Son's human nature. Before he became Jesus in the flesh, he already had it all. When he became in the flesh... And then was crucified, buried, rose again to glory, sits at the right hand of the Father. God gives him the dominion as the human son of David, who is also resurrected. That's hard to get our brains around, but it's true. This is the heir. We are joint heirs with this heir. heir. He inherits from the Father. He is the seed and thus the heir, heir of all things is without restriction or limitation. And here's my favorite statement that he wrote. You need to listen to this. The church is his, but all other things are likewise his, for he governs these, listen, in the interest of the church. Wow, does that sound familiar? Does it? Let me show you a verse that should speak to it. Romans 8, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who are haters of God and anybody. No, to those who are what? The church, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to become conformed to what? The image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He might be the heir. He's the one. He runs the business. We all benefit by being under his rule. We're in the family. We're not not only subjects, we're brethren. For this cause, he's not afraid to call them brethren. In the presence of the brethren, I will give praise to God. I will put my trust in God. All quotes out of Psalm 22, which, by the way, if you're not aware, Psalm 22 is a vivid crucifixion psalm. It's talking about the Messiah getting crucified. And in the middle of that, these verses come up. Yes, sir. What's that? They don't work for what, we what, what you think is good, right. That's right. And no, and ultimately, whether we feel it or not, and this is the hard part, and this is where walking by faith comes to bear in our lives, right? Do you believe that God is good? And do you believe... Well, yeah, don't, don't answer too quick. You might have to double think that. Do you believe he's good? And do you believe he's sovereign? In other words, really nothing happens by accident, if you will. Not without his permission. This is why when, and you asked, so this is why when we were first formulating this, oh, by the way, I should mention this. This is an aside, sorry. Uh, I would like you as a congregation to be praying and thinking about our Kenya team who's going at the end of June to Kenya for eight to ten days. And uh, we need your prayer support and all of that. But when we were going to get ready to go, and we're we're having a meeting today, by the way, and we'll be sharing with you how you can help us, like getting us to JFK would be a great help. Um, There was a bombing, or there, there was some terrorist attack in Nairobi. And immediately, oh boy, you know what? I I believe this, and I don't mean this to in any way sound flip because it's a mistake to be cocky, really. But my life is indestructible until God says I'm done. So in a way, when that happened, it was almost what I call confirmation by opposition. Okay, I guess we are supposed to go. And everybody said, amen. (laughs) Amen. Is God sovereign and is he good? Then he's working all things for good and he's engineering things for the good of his church. We might not see all the good here, but we will one day when we finally are in glory. Can you imagine how many answers we're going to have to things we've been going? Well, that's what that was all about. What a pain in the neck that was. But okay, now I get it. Sorry I didn't thank you more at the time because I was a curmudgeon. I've never been a curmudgeon, I know. It's hard to praise him in this sermon. Tell me about it. So I get what Ben's saying. This verse sometimes takes that knife and twists it more. Yeah, if you, let me, can I just say something? One of the things we do is we, we, did I cut somebody off? No, because no more questions or we'll never get through this sermon. I didn't repeat. Thank you, Robert. My sister over here said, it's hard, and I get what Ben is saying, and so does everybody else who's in the flesh. When I say that, in human flesh. We struggle. The issue is, can I make, this is what faith is. If faith isn't, oh, I feel really good today. I think I'll praise God. Faith is, I make a determination. This is doing action in the presence of god what does he call me to do i have found that at some of my darkest hours forcing myself to get in the presence of god and praise him fixes it i don't mean it fixes the circumstances it fixes me and then the circumstances tend to work themselves out at least somehow even if we're not happy with it, who, want, who wants to lose a loved one? Who wants to have financial opposition? Who wants any of that? Well, we're going to get to some of this in a bit. Nobody wants it, but God is working things for the good of his church and his ultimate glory. So Lensky tells us, he's, let me read it again, all other things are under Jesus, and he governs these in the interest of his church. That comforts me as a child of God, and it comforts me that he is my elder brother. I had a pastor friend of mine up in Binghamton who used to always pray that way, Jesus, we come to you. Remember the, the prayer, um, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. That's, that's one of the simplest, easiest, most straightforward prayers I know. And when I get in a cruddy mood, which you might not believe happens to me occasionally, probably more than once a decade, Amen. that if I will get alone with God and just start with that, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Something happens. And my brother Dan used to pray, besides his favorite line, Hep us, Lord, hep us. He would pray, Jesus, our elder brother, help us. Imagine him as our elder brother. He's not ashamed to call us his brethren that's profound isn't it I mean you know yourself I know me he's not ashamed have your kids ever embarrassed you oh my gosh yeah today how many times this morning anyway you get what I'm saying second thing so his inheritance is that he has a delight in his children And he has expectations. The lamb wants to get the reward of his suffering, brothers and sisters. So we get this blessing, but it's intended to create a response which is why it talks about his inheritance in the saints and the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Why is there power toward us who believe? He is working all things for good that we might be conformed to the image of his son. Brings us to two more points, and I'll make them quick. One, his holiness. Later in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, it's going to say this. You've not... Have you ever read this and like, what? You've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your fight against sin. Anybody remember that? It's in the book of Hebrews, right? Chapter 12, verse 4. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. By the way, that is a little insight as to who the recipients of this book probably are we'll come back to that another time. They literally have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood other Christians in Rome have. They have, but you have not. When I read that today, I haven't yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. I crack up. You know what I mean? I mean, I got I got reamed out once I had I told you I've had somebody take the Bible I gave to a friend that I was witnessing to and throw it down the building incinerator and yell at me and all of that. It's a big deal. And I was, I was thankful. I, I had a joy response that I got some heat for the gospel. I was thankful about that. Didn't Jesus say blessed are you when men shall revile you, persecute you, say all manner of evil against you falsely. Falsely. Not rightly. Falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. I, was, I haven't gotten to the point of shedding blood. I did have a guy threaten to roll my head and hit me with something or bad bat. I don't know, I can't remember. It was a long time ago. I was Tucson. They're crazy out there. wear guns. Anyway, so... When I read that, it kind of cracks me up because what I see in the church is Christians who won't even lift a finger to resist sin. I just can't help... Can't do anything. And do we know what sin is? Well, I don't know what sin. Do anybody remember the old wo whoa, whoa, that that's ooh, get that out of there. They might read it. Don't want them reading this. Remember when they had the expression ignorance of the law is no excuse? Does anybody remember that? I think it's still valid, too. And we say, well, oh, I don't know what sin is. Yeah, in our co- we don't know what sin is. It was, it, I, I'm telling you what I've seen in churches. I'm like, has anybody taught Bible here in the last 10, 15 years? Does anybody know that certain things are wrong? Apparently not. Guess what? No excuse. No one in the room has an excuse plenty here. Isn't it my duty to find out what the laws are? When I drive down the street, it's my duty to find out, oh, I shouldn't be going 97 and a 30. I better find out what the speed limit is, right? So it kind of cracks me up because God is interested in our improvement. His inheritance He delights in, but he wants it to rise up and be amazing. How many times we say that? When somebody comes through for us, we go, you're amazing. That's what he wants. That's cool. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to get it right every time. Aren't you glad? That's why we have grace. That's why we have the greatest mental health verse in the Bible. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just lay it down and be done with it. Stop moping, okay? Stop beating yourself. There's a book um, written years back by Kenneth Pryor, The Way of Holiness, and in it, he's talking about the process of becoming improved. That's called sanctification. Did you notice in the text we read? Verse 11 says, if you kept your Bible open, both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified, that's us, are all from one Father, for which reason he's not ashamed to call them his brethren. Sanctified means set apart for God's use. But it doesn't just mean status, it means experiencing some reality. That's what sanctification is about. And here's what it says in the book, The Way of Holiness. It is as much the purpose of God to save man from his defilement, as it is to remove his guilt. See, we want the ticket to heaven. God wants purity in your life. He wants transformation. Not perfection, no one's going to make it. But he wants to see, oh, you do get it. I saved you from dirt and sin and grime. You get it, that's why you're cleaning it up. Dude, way to go. I don't know if God says dude, but I just put those words in his mouth. That was probably a mistake, but you get what I'm saying. One more statement he makes. God does not justify a man or a woman so that he can continue in sin with impunity. That's the false gospel that thousands of church people have swallowed. Here, too. I'm on my way. Pray to prayer. No, if I'm on my way, that prayer began a process. Fast or slow, I don't care how rapidly, it doesn't matter. There's got to be some progression from what I was to what I'm becoming, something different. And by the way, well, no, you know what? I'll stay on task. God acts on our behalf, and here's where that verse comes in from Hebrews later on in chapter 12, where it talks about you've not resisted to the point of Shedding blood. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live, right? We're under the sovereignty of God. He's our father. Jesus is our elder brother. Are you seeing this family context? And when the kids are at the table and they're throwing milk across the room and everything else, the hammer drops. At least it did in my house. Sorry about your messy kitchen, everybody else. You get what I'm saying. There's discipline. He disciplines us because he loves us. He doesn't want us to be little brats. Oi, For they disciplined us for a short time as he seemed seem be, as, as seem best to them. They used to human fathers. He disciplines us for our good. Why? What's it say? We may share, we may share. holiness. Yikes. Not equal to his holiness, forget that. (laughs) But share his holiness. Start striving to be more and more like him. I had a pastor on staff one time. He was from the South. And everybody who went to see him, they had troubles. And they had circumstances, brother, that they did not like. They were really put out. And he'd always ask the same obnoxious question. So what do you think the father's doing in your life through all this? And those crazy people kept going to talk to him. I don't know what was wrong with them. Same question every, what do you think God, do we ever ask it? I mean, outside of the fact that he hates me and he's making me miserable and he, you know, that sounds like me when I'm being humorous, which is not very funny, but anyway. Some of the, uh, you know what? You and I'll talk later. Some of the secrets will unfold as as we study through the book of Hebrews. But here's one of the secrets. You want a little secret about how to share in his holiness, how to make progress? Want a secret? It's not a secret, it's right in the Bible. Okay, Galatians chapter 5. I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Oh, allow me to opine for a moment. If you're not in the spirit, you're in the flesh. And one of the worst forms of the flesh at work among Christians is religious flesh. I'm very religious. Oh, I would never do that. Oh, how dare you bring up a word like that or a subject like that or whatever it has nothing to do with spiritual reality. Religious flesh kills. It kills rather than breathes life. Who are the people that feed my soul? They're the people that I can be completely real with. I was talking to a consultant this week, and I was like, can I just say what one person said in this context? And I used the very bad word, and I put it on, and they went, oh, solid Christian. They thought it was hysterical because it was the truth. Not because it's good to use bad words. That's not my point. But see, we, I re, I, uh, so anyway, religious flesh kills people. Walking in the spirit, being alive in Christ, being winsome, being gracious, being forgiven, being someone that people go, what is it with you? I, you, you seem to have a, a joy or a confidence or a peace. You're gracious. Uh, if I've been given one compliment since I've been at Harmony, which um, I've had like more than one, I really have, <laughs> A lot, actually. You guys are too nice. Or you don't know me very well. I don't know what it is. One brother said to me, one of the things I noticed about you is you don't hold a grudge. Well, I know it says you can't, but people do all the time. How many want to admit it right now in the room? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Holding grudges. That was a great compliment paid to me. I I was blessed by that. And the reason it's true is because I had to kill my flesh to forgive my father who destroyed my life and my mother's life and everybody else around him and whoever else he messed with, which were bunches of people. I had to forgive him past... Present and future sins so thoroughly so that when I was at his funeral and he stuck it to me again through his friend, he's dead and he's still sticking it to me. Between talking to his goofy friend, who I told to stop talking, and walking over to the casket, I was completely free. That's the power of the Spirit. Walk in the, And I don't get it in every other area of my life. I wish I did, but that's one I think God's helped me with a little. And he's willing to help you, but you got to want it. One thing about it, he doesn't shove it down your throat, and then we wonder, why is all these terrible things happening? Maybe he's trying to get our attention. You never know. Enough. Number three, his deliverance. There is a spirit world. This passage talks about God disabling the work of Satan who had taken people captive through the fear of death. Remember that? That's obvious in terms of the gospel. Paul is on the Damascus road. He's persecuting Christians, remember? And Jesus appears to him people freak out, some are blind, you know, he falls down, he can't see anymore, as a matter of fact, and Jesus speaks to him, says, get up, I'm going to call you into my kingdom work, This is his conversion, and he tells him why he's called him. Here it is. To open the eyes of the Gentiles you're going to speak to, so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God in order that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. I know I'm preaching and I'm getting loud. Sorry. Not really. Sanctified by faith in me. Now, that's obviously they're they're coming out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's salvation, right? When you sign up for Jesus, you go out of Satan's realm and into God's. Everybody with me on that? Say, what do I have to do to be in Satan's realm? Nothing. He's already got you. But now let me bring it home the word dominion. See that word? Let's see if I can make this thing work. I'm not a tech guy. Dominion. Dominion. Exousia. The rule. The power over. It's what the Greek word means. Dominion. The domination of Satan. To get out of there means freedom. Hello? Freedom. Not just to get to heaven, freedom in the here and now. Freedom. Let me read something to you. Old Puritans really had a handle on this. Don't think of the Puritans as the Salem witch trials and junk like that. Those were aberrations, just so you know. The Puritans rebuked themselves on that. Who are you, jerks? (laughs) Get out of the newspaper. You're nuts, you know, burning people at the stake. i like, stop. They were against it, just so you know. Listen to this about you being his inheritance. This is William Gurnall, a classic work called The Christian Incomplete Armor. This is volume one. There's three volumes. By the way, they know an awful lot about striving against sin and the enemy. An awful lot. Can learn an awful lot. God stamps his image of holiness on the face of your soul. Wow, right? This attribute of beauty is what makes us most like God. How God longs to see his clear likeness, the hope of his calling, his clear likeness reflected in his children and his true children long to be like him. Here it comes. Satan knows this and works tirelessly to disfigure the divine image. Marring the Christian's nature brings shame to the saint and pours contempt upon God in distorting his likeness. Is it not worth risking life and limb against this enemy? Yes, Pastor John, maybe. Here's the classic line, I've read this before. Whether you like it or not, you must go into the ring with Satan. Not him personally, his angels, his, his demons, right? They're against you. He has not only a particular malice against the army of saints, listen up, he has a particular spite against every single child of God. Are you one of those? He don't like you. He's after you. Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, he's already got you. That's why you don't think so. There's a particular spite against every single child of God. The whole issue of your spiritual destiny is personal and particular. You give Satan a dangerous advantage if you see his wrath and fury bent in general against the saints and not against you specifically. Oh, yes, of course Satan is fighting against Billy Graham. Well, not anymore, but Billy Graham. Of course, Satan is fighting against the church being planted in Kenya where missions are happening. Of course, but not, oh, nah, nothing here's demonic. Oi. He's got a particular spite against you specifically. Satan hates me. Satan accuses me. Satan tempts me. Conversely, you lose much comfort when you fail to see the promises and providences of God as available for your own specific needs. God loves me. God pardons me. God takes care of me. See, we walk by faith and not by sight. You have to have your wits about you to wonder what is in fact going on. Let me put one more verse on the, on the screen. 1 John 3, I love this one. The one who practices sin is of the devil. Oh, what? I hate when the Bible gets mean. <laughs> the devil has sinned from the beginning. If I'm letting sin dominate me, then I'm following his way. The Son of God appeared for this very purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Great word, luo, in the Greek. It means to loose it. Let me fix my teeth here. To loose it, to destroy it, to annul it, to break it up, to dissolve it, to undo. In charismatic circles, some person comes in, I'm really weighed down. I loose it off you in the name of Jesus. Bam. He told me to do that. You don't have to do that, and you don't have to sound like that. The point is, there is a time to say, I refuse this liar. Right, and that's, that's why it's so important to take that promise of first John 9. always. Right? Always. So that he has no hold. And in fact, I didn't put this in here. We'll look at it later, maybe. But in, in Revelation chapter 12, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Now that doesn't mean you have to die, it means you have to die to your flesh. You have to make up your mind, I'm done living in the flesh. We walk around here, I'm just telling you what I've seen for six years, walking around in our flesh, our attitudes, our haughtiness, our stubbornness, our rebellions, whatever, and we think that's walking in, it's not. There's a whole way of living you haven't even seen yet. When we choose to come under the submission of the Spirit and resist the enemy, and he'll flee from you. Submit to God, resist, and he will. Well, I don't know. Anybody remember this guy? He looks like he's on something, doesn't he? But anyway, Frodo, this is when he's bright eyed and bushy tailed, right? And he takes on the journey. He's got this quest. He's got this job to do. He's got the ring, which is like Satan incarnate. You know, he's carrying it with him, right? And the more he goes on, this kind of thing happens. Watch this little clip Mount Doom clip. That's us. Under the power of the enemy and sin, we want to go, but I just can't. Right? And in the end, he looks like a mess, flagging under the weight of sin. How do you want to meet your Savior? Anybody remember the books by Peretti, This Present Darkness? I remember vividly one scene. I thought they were pretty... You might say, oh, that's all baloney. Mm, some of it was bull. Some of it was enhanced, but some of it was pretty accurate. And I remember this one account of a, the new preacher that came into that church. I remember, Anybody remember it? He went into the building to pray, and he got literally jumped by demonic forces physically, which, by the way, things like that have happened. Oh, you're crazy. Yes, I am, because I believe all this and have seen it, so he gets tackled, and he fight and he, in the name of Jesus, he wrestles him off. And here's the best part. The angels are watching. Now, isn't that something? They're watching. Boom, bam. Now, we'd be saying, why aren't
0: you helping me? What's the matter with you, God? And
3: the angels are watching, and they go, after he wins, ooh, he's got some spunk, doesn't he? They report back to headquarters, this guy. This guy is who you want on the team. Are you getting my drift? How do you want to meet your Savior? Here's my closing verse. And now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Why is that there? Because it will happen to some of us. But it doesn't have to. It's completely up to you. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, as we close out and make announcements and all of that, your Holy Spirit, I know, has spoken today, and you have spoken into the hearts of some of your people. And if it's time to do business and come out from under the domination of our flesh or our adversary, this is as good a day as any to get marked as one who you want on your team because you delight in your inheritance. Help us not to shake it off and go back to business as usual. Help us, King Jesus. We're your people. We want to be an inheritance that pleases you and delights you, not just because you've rescued us already, but because we're in the business of looking more like you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen and Amen.
1: You were fired up today, huh? I Woo! Yeah! Felt like I went, felt like I went to church. You're praying for me, that's why. Yeah. Ushers, come on down. Uh, if you were a guest with us, we would love for you to fill out. There's a little card in the pouch in front, and we'd love for you to fill that out. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, you can give it to one of these guys on your way out, or there is a box on the right. You can drop it in. Uh, I'm going to invite Linda Horvitz and Diana Revoir to come up real quick. They have an announcement about Grief Share, and uh, share that with us.
4: Good morning. Um, I asked for a few minutes this morning just to share an update about the Grief Share program and how it was going. Um, We completed our first session back in the beginning of March. Um, We started in the fall, but we got delayed by different things. But anyway... um, We had five different people come through the program, only one sought to completion, but our team really learned a lot on how to use the program and extend grief and comfort to those who did attend, and we felt very positive about ending that session. Um, It is a 13-week program, so we just began again two weeks ago on April 15th. We meet Monday nights at 6.30. So if you or anyone you know could use this kind of support, please, feel free to come out or use, we have new pamphlets out in the foyer, please take one and share that. Also, I just wanted to say if any of you feel called maybe to be involved in this kind of ministry, we could always use more support in that regard. Um, Our vision for the team is to have a fall team and a spring team so we could kind of keep it going continuously and not kind of burn us all out. So if we had a few more members, we would be able to do that. So I just encourage you to pray and keep praying for us. We just thank you for your prayers. And um, Diana also wanted to share a little bit about her experience with the program. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Good morning. Um, I just want to go back to something that Pastor brought up earlier, so thank you, Pastor, for my intro. Um, (laughs) I'm gonna go back to the verse, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Um, Last year, on January 17th, this was not a verse I wanted to hear, nor would I have ever believed or had it applied in my life at that time. It was one of those brutal truths. Many of you know um, that was the day I very suddenly and unexpectedly lost my husband a heart failure. Um, after the fog lifted, after about a month and a half, I was a train wreck. And I was searching for some help. And after an Internet search, I came across the Grief Share program. And the more I read about it, the more appealing it sounded. And as frightened as I was to jump into a new situation, a new environment, a new church, to join the program I did last um, April... It was scary to walk in a place where I didn't know anyone feeling the way I did. Um, and I remember, I, I think I cried a lot that day. But um, as I worked through that program, I found I, I started to feel better and better and better. And I just want to just share a couple of things that I learned about grief that the Grief Share Program did teach me. Um, the first thing I learned is that the question was asked, what's the greatest grief there is? And the answer is, it's your own. And there was no greater grief than my own or any greater grief than any of the other participants there. Um, so it helped me not to minimize it or make it too grand, because it wasn't grander than anybody else's, nor was it lesser than anybody else's mine. Um, one of the most important things I learned is that time alone does not heal grief. Um, only the Lord can do that. And grief is work. That was something I really did not know. It's active. It's not passive. Um, it's not something that happens to you, it's something that you have to work at and you take time. And grief is the price that we pay for love. If you love, grief will happen. It's, it's a natural process. The Grief Share Program really helped me to work that. I can't say that after the 13 weeks I was fine. I wasn't, but it set me on a journey. Um, and I didn't believe it at first, but There is hope after grief, and you go from a period of mourning, which I did. There's a time to mourn, and eventually it brings you to a time of joy. And I'm really happy to say that with God's help, with the Lord's help, just a little bit more than a year later, I have gotten my joy back. And um, I really attribute that to the work and the people that helped me through the Grief Share program. So I really encourage you, if at any point, there's there's no time limit. If you lost somebody years and years and years ago and there's still issues, Grief Share is for you. Um, If you know somebody who's hurting, who needs the help and the hope of what can come after grief, um, please share this program with you because God will work our grief. I I didn't believe it, but I really see firsthand how he's used what's happened to me for good. I never thought that could happen or I never believed it, but I'm a firm believer of that today because I've seen it and I've experienced it. God does work for good, all things to work together for good. He's done it in my life, and he can do it in yours or anybody else who's grieving. Thank you.
1: Awesome. So if you're interested in that, those little ladies to see. The annual meeting will be held on Sunday, May 5th, following the worship service. We will discuss the annual budget and vote, uh, hold a vote for approval. We will also go over the annual report. Annual reports are due today. Uh, If you did not receive an email with the annual report format, there are copies out there you have till 11.59 tonight (laughs) to email it to Jody. (laughs) And that's when you'll be getting mine. (laughs) A new member group will be starting soon. Please contact the church office if you are interested. A uh, men's weight loss group is meeting on Tuesday nights at 630 uh, if you're interested, please see Brian Tompkins. Uh, we want to uh, encourage you guys again to pray for the Kenya Missions team. Uh, it's coming it's sooner than later, uh, the end of June here, and it's it's creeping up. So uh, be uh, listening for ways to help out with that. There's going to be uh, things that we can all do to chip in, uh, rides to the airport, etc. So uh, keep your ears open. Please see the bulletin for additional and more detailed announcements. Let's pray and then I'll send you on your way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you again for this morning uh, for uh, the challenge to not wallow, to not mope, to not just uh, accept that things are just the way they are and, and that's how it is. And no, you've called us to something greater. You've called us to thrive. Help us, Lord. Um, thank you for uh, the offerings that we've uh, taken this morning. Let them be used for your glory. Thank you for the lives that you've given us. Let them be used for your glory. Uh, bless and keep us as we go, in Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, has anything for Pastor or anything? Come on up, and uh, we're here.